Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Quad City. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Honored that you guys would start your week off uh, with us here. I want to welcome those of you uh, joining us online whenever or wherever. Thanks for tuning in. As always, special shout out to our friends worshiping with us today out in Prescott Valley. So glad that you guys are here. Well, it is the beginning of the month, and that means it is uh, the new Romans packets are available. And so these packets have in them some questions that go with our life groups or personal reflection. They have some memory verses in there, and they also have some family table talk discussion. So if you haven't gotten one of these and would like one, if you just toss your hand up in the air and kind of keep it there, we've got a team of volunteers that'll get that for you this morning. As they're passing those out, I want to take a minute and just celebrate yesterday. Uh, So yesterday, right here at our Prescott campus, we had our meal pack event, and we were able to come together and pack 60,000 meals for Arizona Reservation Ministry. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, It was such a a fun time. We were singing and dancing and working hard. We packed a a ton of meals, and it was a great time. And, man, it was really cool. So a couple awesome things I just want to point out. Number one is, it is be, you see everybody jamming, right? I told you it was a fun time. If you missed out, you missed out on a blast. But two things. So first is, your offerings continually allow us to do things like this. So your generosity allowed us to pay for all of that food that we're going to send away. And we're sending it specifically to Arizona Reservation Ministries. And they were here yesterday and they got to share about their ministry and what they do. And it was really cool. He came up to me at the end and said, hey, can we take 10 boxes? We have families who are in critical need today, Josh, who need this food. And I said, absolutely, take as many as you can get. And we got a whole trailer of boxes and food coming. And so, man, they were just so thankful, so grateful. So, again, thank you, church, for your job jumping in and serving people. Man, I'm honored to go to church with you guys, seriously. Well, as we've done each... uh, Each weekend as our series through the book of Romans is we've read the word of God aloud together. And so if you have a Bible and you want to open that or the Bible app on your phone, we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand with us as we read the word of God together today. Again, starting in verse 8. 
Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray today that your spirit helps us hear the things, Father, you want us to hear. So grateful that you've preserved this so that we can be better followers of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, you can be seated. Well, if you're new here again with us, we've been walking through uh, the book of Romans. And we started this series all the way back in August of last year. And so when we did that, we broke out and said, hey, here's kind of the sections of the book of Romans. And so we said we'd kind of start off with the introduction. We'd go through what was the bad news that felt like we were in the bad news forever. We talked about the good news. We just finished up the hard news. And now we're in this section of chapters 12 through 15 of like, hey, okay, so we've heard all of this. What do we do? Like as believers, those of us who have believed in the good news, what now should our lives look like? And so we're still there and we've been there for a couple of weeks uh, now. And again, this is all about what do we do with the salvation and grace that we've received? And so today's application is all about love, all about why we should love, but also why we should love with this sense of urgency behind it. And so we're going to dive in, and we're going to do so by starting back in verse 7 that we ended off last week. It says, get to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And then the sentence continues. I know in most of our Bibles, there's a little heading break. That's not how it would have been when Paul wrote this letter. So don't detach the two things. They go together. He says, let no debt remain outstanding. So again, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you owe someone revenue, give them their revenue. If it's respect that they deserve, give it to them. If it's honor that they deserve, give it to them. And then he says, let no debt remain outstanding. And then he uses this word, accept. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has filled the law. I think all of us would agree that if we lived in a world where we actually loved one another, the world would be a better place. 
I don't think I need to convince you of this, that there would be less violence, less broken families and destroyed marriages. There would be less hurt children, less people house insecure. There would be 95% less of the things I think on the internet if we just loved one another. It's not that we don't know that love is not the answer. It's just we aren't willing to go first. And what Paul is saying is that this is exactly what believers should be doing. We should be the ones who are going first. That it's our obligation, our responsibility, our call as followers of Jesus to go first because Jesus first loved us. You see, we are called to be those who don't conform to the pattern of this world. You see, we are in a world that's full of people who only love when it's convenient or easy, or for their own personal benefit. But as followers of Jesus, we're to be people who are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that means we love others, even when we don't want to, even when they don't deserve it, even when it doesn't fit our schedule, and even when they don't believe what we believe. Even if it costs us everything. We love others because that's what Jesus did. And we are called to be Jesus's followers, which means we're to love others. And then Paul quotes the back half of the Ten Commandments. And these are seen as a way to actually love other people. He says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, and you shall not covet. That if you were to obey this and live this out, Paul says you would be loving others. I'm going to let you in how my brain works. I see this and go, oh, that's it. Sweet. Just don't do those four and we're good. And I think some of you probably are like that too, right? You probably are like, because this is how we are as people. What's sometimes the least I can do? and be okay, right? So if Paul was just to stop here, I think we'd all be like, whew, we're good. But he doesn't stop here. He keeps going. And he says, whatever other commands there may be, like no options, anything else. And with that, I go, right? Now that's what we all do. And then he says, even better yet, let me take it one step further. Let me sum it up. In this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hearing this likely makes you think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It makes sense. Parables found in Luke 10, most of us know this parable. It's one of the most famous parables of Jesus. And I wish I could read it to you this morning, but it is like a sermon within a sermon, so I just don't have time. But I do want to sum it up. So in this parable, Jesus is asked the question. The question is, who is my neighbor? Jesus responds and tells that famous parable. And then Jesus ends the parable by asking a question. That's what Jesus does a lot of times. And this is the question that he asked. He said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? You see, this parable is about, are you a neighbor? It's not who is my neighbor, meaning not who qualifies to be loved, but it's about, am I a neighbor who loves in an unqualified way? This is not about 
us trying to decide who qualifies for you to love them, but it's about demonstrating love that knows no qualifications. And so with that understanding in mind, as Paul quotes it and Jesus quotes it, let me ask this question. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? You see, the first issue I think when we come up with it is this word, love. See, our uses of the word love is really a mess in our culture. Even I do it. I will say things like this in the same sentence. I love my wife and I love Taco Bell. And I'm not lying. That cheesy gordita crunch is incredible, y'all. I love it. And I also love my wife. But so we have this weird understanding and uses of the word love. We say we love everything. But what was the text saying? So the original Greek word here, love, is more than just fuzzy, warm feelings towards someone. It meant action. It means to have benevolence towards or to take regard for their welfare. I have no benevolence towards Taco Bell. I don't care. But I should, and I do, to my wife, and I should also to others. So do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? with understanding what the word love means. And then I look at it and I go, man, we have another issue in our culture. It's yourself. Y'all, we have zero issues loving ourselves. Like, think about your own life. How far do you go to keep yourself from pain? How hard do you work so that your life is comfortable? What debt do you currently have are you willing to go into to get the things you don't need but you want? How easy do you give yourself the benefit of the doubt? And to what lengths are you willing to never be inconvenienced? You see, we don't have any issue with loving ourselves. We've got that down. So when it comes to do you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, how are we really doing? Does your neighbor's comfort come close to how much you think and act for yours? Is your neighbor's security and finances even a blip on your radar? Is your neighbor's mental well-being even a concern as the dollars, time, and therapy, and me time you spend on yourself? Is your neighbor's family success even a thought you dare to entertain as you move throughout your day thinking and acting to make yours successful? You see, it's one thing for us to say we love our neighbor. It's another thing to hold it up against how much we actually love ourselves. I think if we're honest, we all are guilty of not living out this command. I think we all may say we do, but it's not an action we live out. And then Paul actually takes it one step further. He says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We would all agree that not committing murder, not stealing, not committing adultery, not coveting is us not committing harm to our neighbor. But as I thought over this, over the past couple weeks, I've been wrecked with this thought of what in the world does Paul mean by this word harm? Like if I just don't punch my neighbor in the face, like, am I off the hook? Like, is that what Paul meant, right? Is, is that is the least, again, you know, is that the least I have to do? If I just don't cause them physical pain, is that it? 
Or is there more to it? Why would Paul use this verse right after saying, love your neighbor as yourself? He could have stopped there. But this thing just kept wrestling over it. And what I have come to realize is I think the more we are actually doing more harm than we realize. I love what Rick Warren said years ago. He said that our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. So it's this idea of love was this thought in my head, which makes me wonder, are we actually causing more harm than we realize? You see, because I think us not calling out sin in our brother and sister, the anger and arrogance that we see is actually harmful. That's not loving. That when I participate in the slander of the politicians I disagree with, that is not loving my neighbor. That is harming them. When I listen to my friends gossip, I mean rant about whoever or whatever, we think that's loving them, but that is harming them. Me keeping my kids from interacting with their non-Christian friends is actually harmful to those non-Christian friends. Me removing the consequences or you removing the consequences of the bad decisions your kids make is actually harming them. You are not loving them. Affirming and celebrating people's sin, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, is not loving. It's incredibly harmful. When we lower the standards and expectations of marriage that Jesus sets out, that when it gets hard, and it will get hard, that the easy way is just to quit. We are harming those people, not to mention the generations behind them. When we sign up for all those football tournaments and cheer competitions on Sunday, what we are telling the parents that we interact with of those teams is that church is, a, is easily sacrificable. That's not loving. That's incredibly harmful to them. Not to mention what it does to your kids. When we buy into the culture's lie that living together is preparation for marriage, instead of calling people to the standard of holiness which Jesus sets forth, that is harmful. That's not loving. And when you don't share Jesus with your neighbor, that is the most harmful thing you can do. If you are afraid that a difficult conversation may lead somewhere and you don't want to have it, you care more about you than you do them and their eternal life. That is the most harmful thing we can do. So where in your life do you think you're loving your neighbor, but you're actually causing them harm? And then how are you going to love people that Paul says actually fulfills the law? And Paul says that we love with this understanding of what the future holds. This is what he says in verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time, that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And do this. And what are we supposed to do? He's been telling us. We're supposed to love. 
We love. That's what what Paul says. Loving and doing no harm cannot be passive. It always requires intentionality. It's done understanding the present time while looking ahead to the future. The second coming of Christ is the one grand event that always looms on the horizon of our faith. You see, the Bible talks of time as the already, but not yet. And what we know is the not yet has reached itself into the already. You see, Jesus showed up and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus began to usher in the rules and reign and ethics of God's kingdom. And he caused his people to live that way. But we know the already is full of darkness. And the same was for Paul. It was a time of sin and corruption and idolatry, demonic activity and immorality. But we, as God's people, don't belong to the darkness. We belong to the new day of light that Jesus has introduced to the world. But Paul says some of you need to wake up. That some of you are asleep. But Paul is saying it is actually time to wake up to resist the temptation to be conformed to the beliefs and the values and the behaviors of this present dark age. So in a world full of darkness, believers, wake up and realize that time is actually ticking. Paul says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So the book of Romans is written anywhere between 57 AD to 59 AD. So let's split the difference, call it 58 AD. It helped me with my math, all right? This means this statement is written 1,967 years ago. How much closer are we now? And... Shouldn't that change the way we live? You see, when I think about this, because this is what I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about loving people. It's in the concept of this idea that Jesus is coming back. So when it's really hard and I don't want to do it, I know that this time doesn't last forever. When it calls me to give everything of my life, I'm willing to do that because this life in compared to eternity is minuscule. Paul says that when I understand really what time it is, I can actually love like Jesus called me to love. You see, because when we know what time it is, we can best live as stewards of what God has given us and where God has placed us. Paul keeps going. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light again. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. How would you live differently if I told you Jesus was coming back tomorrow? Would it actually impact how you spend your money? I think it probably would. Your time. Would you actually be willing to have that really difficult conversation with your neighbor or your family member or your kids? You see, would would you live differently knowing Jesus was coming back. Yes, and that's what Paul's point here is. Paul wants us to live with a sense of urgency because Jesus really is returning, and when he returns, that's it. People will be ushered into eternal life in heaven or eternal death in hell. 
forever. And so Paul is saying the night is almost over, but the day is almost here. So live like it by actually putting aside the deeds of darkness and putting on, what does he say? Put on the armor of light, that we are to arm ourselves with the ways of God so that we can live lives for God. That as God's children, we intentionally make daily decisions to live as people of the light. And we do that by putting off the deeds of darkness. Well, what are those, Paul? Well, I'm glad you asked. He tells us. It's so nice of him. Paul says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Paul identifies, I think, three categories where people are trapped in bondage. The first is controlling our appetites. And carousing and drunkenness are those two that go in there. He bookends them together. That, man, we just take whatever we want and do it. I always think of the story of Esau, that he was hungry and starving, and he sold his whole life for a bowl of lentil soup. We have got people who are selling everything God has promised them for nothing. And they're addicted because they can't control their appetites. Controlling our bodies. And Paul puts in here sexual immorality and debauchery. That this is our culture. I'll do what I want, when I want. It's my body. It's my choice. Nobody can tell me. I'll sleep with whoever, whenever, whatever. And we just live in debauchery. And then it's interesting because I think most of us would say that the top two we're all okay with. It's the bottom one. Paul says that we need to learn how to control our emotions. Y'all, this word right here is so interesting to me. We live in a day when that's celebrated. Look at your news feeds. They long for you to be divisive and be in dissension. They celebrate when you pick a side. They celebrate when you attack another person. Like this is our culture, not just out there, but man, in here. And Paul says that this is actually a deed of darkness, that this isn't how people of God who live in the light should act. And then he says jealousy. So much of our decisions are based on, I want what everybody else has and I can't want it, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. Who cares what happens to them? And so Paul says we can't control these things, so we have to put them aside He says we're to put on the armor of light. Then he tells us one more thing. We have to behave decently. And this idea of behaving decently is about you walking daily and doing the things that God has created you to do. That we're to walk in the life which Jesus has redeemed us, not in sin. I would sum it up like this. Stop being foolish. Or better yet, that's how they say in the South, if you're from the South, boy, act like you got some sense. Right? That's what Paul is saying. Act like you got some sense. It's daytime. You're running around like it's nighttime doing all these foolish things. But this is what I know. Some of you may not even know how to do that. Your life has been so littered with the inability to control your appetites and your bodies and your emotion that honestly you aren't sure where to start. Well, we've got a ministry that we're starting for you. It's called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery will be every single Tuesday night We have a meal at five o'clock here in our cafe at our Prescott campus. And then we have a large worship time where we celebrate King Jesus and make him our king. And then we break off at seven o'clock into open share, men's open share, women's open share. Celebrate Recovery or CR is all about finding healing through God's radical grace in a Christ-centered recovery. It's for everyone because everyone has hurts, 
habits and hangups that are a part of our lives because of the intentional decisions we've made. But we don't want you to stay that way. And you don't have to stay that way. That no matter what you're facing and no matter what you're going through, we're committed to navigating through the tough stuff with you. And here's the thing. This ministry is not just for alcoholics and addicts. It's for those of us who have hurts, habits, and hangups. For those of us who have sins that we've had for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, anxiety, codependency, and numerous other things, and we can't find freedom, we want to help you find the freedom that God longs for you to have. So we'd be honored if you join us. And Paul closes out as we're going to close out. He says there are two things that we can do to behave decently. He says, rather... Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So the first one, clothe yourself with Jesus. It's an intentional decision. Like we have to choose to be more like Jesus. We have to take on the behaviors that make us more like Jesus. And we do so because we've been changed by Jesus that we put on Christ and we don't give an inch to our still remaining sinful tendencies. To clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ means that we choose humility and we choose forgiveness. We choose purity. We choose self-control and kindness and patience, that we choose generosity and wisdom. We choose joy. We choose love. And we choose so many other things that actually make us more like Jesus. And writers in the Bible, specifically Galatians, say, for those of you who have believed in Jesus and have been baptized into him, you have been clothed with Christ. That day when you made that decision, that's what happened. You took on Jesus. But Paul is saying here, and he keeps, just like you go, it's a daily decision from that day. Because see, I'm still stuck in the darkness. I still live in a world trapped by darkness and it wants to consume me. So I have to choose to put on Jesus because my old life keeps rearing its ugly head. So that's the first thing we have to do. The second thing is Paul says, do not even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, I first read that and my mind changed that to act. Do not even act out your sinful flesh. But that's not what Paul says. Paul actually says, think. How much time is spent thinking about how to sin? Especially if that sin is fed in the darkness. We think about how to get it, how to enjoy it, how not to get caught. We we think about how we aren't actually addicted to it, but we actually are. The hours spent thinking about how how to gratify our flesh is scary to ponder, and the life we miss out on because of the time wasted, and the relationships that actually suffer. Like, I shudder to think of the lives that have been impacted, maybe ruined, just by the people in this room watching online or in PV, by the amount of time we've spent thinking about how to to gratify our flesh. And what Paul is saying is we cannot give energy, time, or attention to these things that lead us to sin, that we cannot provide for them, and we shouldn't gratify the desires of sin in order us to be the people who God has actually called us to be. You have got to intentionally reject sin. You can't even think about it. 
You can't allow it to give birth to death. You got to cut off the thoughts to it. And you have to put on Jesus. That's what Paul says. That's how we apply this idea of how do I actually love that makes a difference? How do I love people that actually brings them closer to Jesus? Well, the only way I can do that is I can't be thinking about sin and my selfishness. I've got to be thinking about Jesus. I'll leave you with this thought as we close today. So we're entering that time of graduation. And many of us remember that time. It's a really special time. You remember putting on that really long gown right? And you wear that ridiculous hat. It is ridiculous, right? And if you have a larger head like myself, it's even more ridiculous. Like, y'all, they had to like safety pin it, but I didn't care because I was done with school. I was so ready to be out of that thing. I was pumped. So I put that crazy hat on and I walked across that stage and then you sit and somebody gets up and they says, okay, now graduates, I want you to take that tassel and I want you to move it to the other side. And we do it because you know what we're saying? We're saying, I am choosing now to live differently. I am saying I was a student up to this point, but now I'm saying I'm living differently from now on. The reality is that some of us in here, it's time to graduate. It is time for you to move your tassel and wake up to the foolish things that you've been doing. It is time to actually begin to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you may have said you're a follower of Jesus, but you're hanging out in the darkness. And Paul says it's time to wake up. And so I have some questions that may help you figure out what's holding you back. First one is, what attitudes and appetites need to go? And what desires actually need to be cultivated to grow in grace and truth? Which parts of your body do you need to regain control of by putting off habits and sins? More importantly, maybe where do you need to put on holiness and godliness in your life? What emotions gotta go? And then what thoughts need to be added into your daily practices so you think on things above that give life? Some of us, like what relationships have got to go? What relationships do you have to put off because they just keep bringing you back into the darkness? But conversely, what relationships do you need to add in to your life? What temptations and sins need to be put off and where does obedience and surrender to Jesus need to be put in? And because I wanted to be like Paul and just cover all the bases, what needs to change? So maybe I didn't hit you with one of those questions. There's something. There's something in your life that's got to go. Because the reality is, the time is actually now for you to wake up and be who Jesus has called you to be. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your truth. God, thank you for your conviction even in my own life, has wrestled through this text to see, man, I'm in some ways not living how, God, you've called me to live. So I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit that lives in me, that stirs that up, God. And so, so many times we want to run away from that. So God, I pray today that the people in this place and listening out in Prescott Valley lean in. Lean in to really examine our lives to see where we're not living out how you've called us to live. 
And as you do that, God, show us the things we should put on. Help us arm ourselves with the light so that we can be people of the light. And ultimately, as we do that, God, spur us on to love others. And as we do so, how we point the way in a world full of darkness to the light and hope of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.